0: I'm Jessie DeLoe, your host of Madly Forever, a podcast in collaboration with The Fullest. Each episode, I'll help people move past their vision boards to create a life and relationship that they truly love. I, sometimes along with the help of my husband Brian, will interview a variety of experts, psychologists, couples, and business partners to discover the science and secrets to successful compatibility. By pairing my expertise for manifestation with my background in therapeutic healing, I have manifested the life of my dreams. With this podcast, I aim to help others find their optimal alignment as well. Hi, everybody. Um, we're here today with Dawn, who is a fabulous tantric yoga instructor and also teacher of intimacy and you know, how to enhance your sexual life in many different ways that we're about to dig deep into and learn more about. But first I'll let Dawn introduce herself. Mm, Thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you for being here. um,
1: Yeah. My neighbor. I know. It out. <laughs> yeah. So it's really nice to meet you. And I've been teaching Tantra for 26 years. And actually wow. I teach Neo Tantra, which is specifically focused on relationships and sexuality and how our sexual vitality is a means for our own growth as lovers and human beings. And uh, the more I do and and explore and research and teach, the more exciting it's getting. So I'm excited to share some of that with you.
0: Wow. I mean, everything you just said is so interesting to me. I want to like dissect every word that you just said. So can you go back to it? So can you describe what you just said again, Mm -hmm. what you do specifically? Yeah.
1: I support people in learning ways to maximize their sexual energy Mm -hmm. and they're very specific scientific ways. They're very easy to increase our sexual sensitivity, our, uh, openness to experiencing sexual fulfillment Mm -hmm. and how to share that in relationship, but also how to channel it into our work and into our health and into like, you know, like our, Our growth as human beings, you know, Tantra, the ancient classical Tantra is this beautiful esoteric practice that's focused a lot around ritual and, um, and devotion. And ultimately when we're in deep Tantric practice, we are to see that every offering we make to the deity, the deity is also making to us. Hmm. And what this does for us is it starts to bring out parts of ourselves that we haven't accessed yet. We start to reach our potential. We start to enter this mastery level of being human beings. And what Neo Tantra is, is taking those concepts and that experience of becoming a masterful person into being a masterful lover. Mm. It's like having, it's like this artistry
0: of love. Wow. Yeah. What does the word Tantra mean?
1: Tantra means technique Hmm. in the classical practices you have, and you're familiar with this from yoga, you have yantra, which are the geometric symbols. Sometimes we see the yantras that represents certain deities, Mm -hmm. like the Lalita uh, yantra is the Sri yantra, the one we're most familiar with. Mm -hmm. And then there are mantras. So many of us will chant, we'll sing kirtan, we'll sing these mantras, which are the sounds of the deity, the literal sound of the deity itself. Tantra is what unifies the yantra with the mantra. So what it's saying is that you are a vibrational being and you have this template for what's possible for you in this lifetime. Mm. And tantra are the techniques. That bring that all together and make it happen.
0: How awesome. So I know you said there's scientific techniques. Are they the same for everyone? Is it sort of just this playbook that we can all subscribe to, or is there an individual technique for each of us Mm -hmm. to get us to our highest potential?
1: This is such a great question because I think one of the things we all long for as lovers is to be seeing for the unique human being we are. I mean, that's part of the that's part of what makes sex great Yeah, is discovering our partner and the uniqueness of our partner. That's yeah. what gives us the passion and the magnetism and the For attraction. Sure. And the same with us. We want those unique parts of ourselves to be discovered. So these practices are, yes, they're a certain way of releasing ways that we hold tension to block such sexual pleasure, like, why do we even do that? But we do. Uh-huh. So they're the same practices across the board, but every person will do it differently, which is so outside the box because we grew up in this world where there's one way to do something right. Uh-huh. Yeah? yeah. And this is more like finding your right way to access, like, say, for instance, the fluid nature of your pelvic floor, which is essential for maintaining erections and having strong orgasms. Mm. The fluid nature. Mm -hmm. Our pelvic floor is like a jellyfish, really. It Uh moves with every breath, hopefully. But most of us are sitting most of the time. And I hate to say it, but um, many of us are a little uptight. Uh huh, and so that tension, rigid, yeah, Mm -hmm. holds in the pelvic floor. Uh So we don't have this like fluid oceanic movement that connects us connects the pelvic floor, the diaphragm that we use for breathing, the cranial diaphragm, and the um and the cervical diaphragm. So all these ways that we're allowing our body to communicate with our brain what we're experiencing and how to maximize our intimate interaction with what's experience, what we're experiencing. So people come in to me who are like high power attorneys and yoga teacher, hippie people, and <laughs> everybody does the same practice, but from their own perspective, it's not about changing who
0: you are. It's about maximizing who you are. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It makes so much sense that things would be sort of restricted or bl- or like a, a hose would be bent or something like that. You need to just sort of align it so that everything can flow.
1: Exactly. Right? My teacher used to say that, you know, most of us experience our sexual energy, like, Flowing through a garden hose. And right, you know, like what when, I mean, a, yeah. Yeah, you know when a garden hose is either kinked, exactly. the water can't move, or if there's so much passion flowing, the garden hose is whipping all around. You can't even get a hold <laughs> right, of it. Right. So, what we're doing as Neo tantricas is learning how to make a fire hose out of our body and our system, how to be so big that we have mm. so much capacity that we're really feeling all the intricacies and all the intensity without losing it, mm-hmm. you know, but letting it light us up. So we're literally right. walking around lit up all the time.
0: Right. Cause there's a lot of people who also sort of, I don't know about a lot of people, but there is a practice of restricting sexual, um, pleasure or sexual interaction to like harness that energy for other things like creativity or, um, you know, some people believe that you don't want to like disperse it or, or put it out because they just sort of circle it back in. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about that? Yeah.
1: I think that those practices are helpful, especially in the beginning. And those are more Taoist based practices. Mm -hmm. So Taoist based practices bring us into a relationship with our sexual energy so that we're circulating it in our body and we're not moving toward the experience of orgasm. In the beginning, that's really helpful because we sort of have a habit. We, we start to make love or we're pleasuring mm-hmm, ourselves mm-hmm. and we know where we want to go. We right. have a goal and we kind of go unconscious. We're just going for the goal. We're not or really letting Or it feels so yourself. good you
0: can't help it. Yeah, it
1: <laughs> feels so good. We just want that one thing. Right. And so if we can learn how to reinvest the pleasure, that's what I teach people how mm-hmm. to do. Feel the pleasure and stay focused on that and then reinvest it. Mm-hmm. Because what's happening is you're starting to highlight parts of your brain that are normally not receiving circulation. Hmm. And this is how we enter into flow states in our sexuality. Once we start to learn ways of reinvesting goodness, Mm -hmm. we go up level after level after level of pleasure that we didn't, like we all have a sense of what's possible, Mm -hmm. but we don't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. So if we learn how to reinvest the pleasure, the brain itself will start to, through neuroplasticity, begin to expand its capacity to recognize pleasure because have you ever had upper limits? Like we start to move into an upper limit, like, oh, I could never own that house, or I could never Uh have that car. I could never go on that vacation. And we're starting to edge into that place, but we don't feel like we can access it. So if we instead allow ourselves to just keep reinvesting in that feeling of, I know this is my destiny. We keep reinvesting. All of a sudden, everything that's blocking us will fall away. And so sex then for a tantric is it just about an exclamation point on the end of a short sentence? It's about living an ellipse of exclamation points that are pervasive in every part of life. Right. So
0: in and outside of the bedroom.
1: Absolutely. You know, people talk to me, you know, most people don't even know what sex is. I say this, like, (laughs) most people have this idea that sex is something you do with your clothes off in bed with another person. That's one way to experience sex, but that's robbing us of our um, autonomy and our true power. Sex is what makes you radiant. It's what's driving you forward and it's what brings you together with your partner. Mm -hmm. So when we learn that our sexual energy is a superpower, that we all have. And we learn how to maximize that. When we get together with our lover, it's this unbelievable adventure Mm -hmm. of what's next for us. Yes. As bonded lovers and affectionate partners, but also as forces in the world, even if that force is just, you know, cultivating a beautiful garden or raising a beautiful child. Right. Right. You know?
0: Yeah. It's this, uh, coming together of two creative forces, two energetic superpowers, like you said, to create something just completely amazing.
1: Absolutely. And it's something that's going to hold you and support you your whole life.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So what are the things that you, so you gave a great example already, but what are some, some ways that you cultivate that with someone?
1: Mm -hmm. I think one of the first things that's important um, at least this is what I find in my own practice with individuals and couples is to really boil it down to basic needs. And when someone comes to see me, whether they're a high powered attorney or a yogi, mm-hmm. um, one of the first things is that we want to know that we're being seen. Mm-hmm. We want to know that we're being heard. We want to know that we're being understood and we want to know that we're desired. I think these are four important things that every lover in the world deeply, deeply wants. So in the first sessions, I listen to people and I validate um, who they are and, and reassure them, you don't need to change a single thing. I just want to teach you how to maximize who you really are. And because a lot of the pain that we're experiencing in our life isn't coming from who we are it's blocking who we are. Mm. And so. Rejecting in, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turning away from mm-hmm. our unique brilliance. That's what creates suffering. And that's what creates, um, um, hurt. That's how we hurt each other. We hurt each other when we're holding ourselves back. So in the first work with people, I really listened to you know, what do you, what do you sense you're capable of? what do you love? What's important to you? And when I'm working with a couple, I teach them communication practices that make it possible for them to calmly listen to their partner, talk about things that they want that might be a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's exciting for me is like, I feel like this, I feel like I'm just watching a sunset, you know, or a sunrise, (laughs) because I know even though they seem like they're so different, if we listen really closely, every couple wants the same thing.
0: And what is that you think? I think it's to be
1: seen, to be heard, to be understood and to be desired.
0: Every human being Mm -hmm. in a couple or not, you know, you just want that from your parents, from your caregiver when you're, you know, growing up. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's also what, what creates that desire. And where it's imbalanced is how you grow up, right?
1: Yeah, I think we're growing, when we're growing up and most of us grew up in a time where it's about conformity. Mm. It's not so much about that now, but um, people, we they, we they wanna control the kids. There's so many kids in the school, they wanna control the kids. So getting kids to do all- Everything one way, and you're good if you do it the way that we've set out as being the right way, you're bad if you're doing it wrong. And then we start to lose a lot of the creative, artistic aspects of ourselves, and we lose a lot of our sexual power starting right then in school. If you think about it, you might even be able to tune it to it right now. When we um, are shamed in school, and most of us have experienced that at some time or another, the Mm -hmm. first thing we do is Mm -hmm. tighten up our pelvic floor and tighten up our lower body we clench our knees together we try to put a lid on it like we we're a natural expression of nature mm-hmm. and in order to conform we have to stop that And there's another possibility. There's this expansion into harmony where we learn how to communicate in a way so that we find resonance with each other. So it's not that we don't, that we're all like in a million different directions creating chaos, but we're learning how to listen and hear and understand others, feel our desire to be close and respect the uniqueness of other human beings. And this is our evolution. This is where the world's moving to. And, um, yeah, it happens by, you know, giving a child an experience of what it's like to be in harmony in relationship without losing their integrity.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I try to remember that with my daughter for Mm -hmm. sure. And also to show her, um, like healthy, you know, functional uh, ways to disagree as well. You know, everything doesn't have to be perfect. No one's always happy. You know, that's, Mm. it's not, you know, that's not normal either. And that's not healthy either. Mm. To be able to ebb and flow is the healthy part.
1: Yeah. And what are some of the ways you do that with her?
0: Well, I accept that she's, you know, it's so, it's so, um, natural to want to fix something when she's upset, you know, when she's Mm. having a tantrum or she wants this thing and to just give it to her. But you know, no, like you're going to be upset for a minute and that's okay. And then you'll, you'll be happy again in a few minutes, you know, Mm. especially the cycles are so rapid with children, like they're devastated and then they're elated, you know, two minutes later, literally. So to be able to ride that with her and to not need to fix it and to Mm. not need her to always be, you know, getting exactly what she wants when she wants it is, you know, I've had to learn, okay, it's fine, (laughs) you know, or even letting her cry for a few minutes when she doesn't want to go to sleep, but it's time to go to sleep. You know, I used to run down, oh my gosh, she said, mama, she needs me. You know, it's like, you know, I'm I'm actually not doing her, you know, I'm not giving her the opportunity to learn this herself. Mm. So just giving space to feel different emotions.
1: Yeah. And you know, you're describing like healthy attachment. Mm -hmm. So you're teaching her how to you're being with her emotions, you're not asking them to change, mm-hmm. but you're also not changing the circumstances. Right. Right. So you're learning you're teaching her how to self-reference exactly. and how to feel safe and how to have secure attachment, which is another important part of relationship, is like learning how to be bonded. Yeah. I think we we've grown up out of this sexual revolution and everybody wants to be unique and everybody wants to be free. And what makes us free is actually having structure. Mm. Structure is what, you know, they're, they're like light and dark. If it's always dark, you never know that totally. it's dark because it's only yeah, dark.
0: Totally. So if you're
1: only always free, then you never experience what freedom truly is. And so right. being bonded is a beautiful part of freedom. And this is part of mature sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and a way that our sexual relationship becomes an investment in us growing as the unique human being and masterful human being that we are. It's a way of claiming our power, Mm -hmm. our real power and whatever way you want to, you, you know, employ that in your life.
0: Yeah. So what are some, some daily techniques that people can do? We've, we've identified sort of the needs that each person needs to be, um, Presented with and and met Mm -hmm. with by their partner. And so what are some of the techniques to, first of all, you know, get there if you're not already there Mm -hmm. or to take things to just that, like, ecstatic level that you describe where you're a superpower moving through the world in this, like sexual energy. That's just harnessed wherever you go.
1: Mm, I love how you put that. <laughs> You've got it. Okay. Well, I would love to share with you a very simple practice that my guru shared with me, if that's okay. Yes, please. So it's a very, very simple, simple practice because it's important to remember from the Neo tantric perspective, you are already incredibly ecstatic and orgasmic. you you have everything you need to have the relationship of your dreams. All we want to do is to get you to let go of the ways you're distracting yourself Mm -hmm. from that. So this practice is really simple. It's something I do every day. I encourage people to do, and you can do it anytime for a few seconds. So let's do it together. First thing you're going to do And really try this, everybody who's listening, because a lot of people go, this is too easy. It couldn't possibly (laughs) work. And that's the key to the most, uh, the most profound esoteric practices are great complexity. That's been distilled into genius simplicity. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first thing you're going to do is wherever you are, let yourself listen to the sounds. And just listen to the sounds that are near and far. And before I guided you into that, you probably said there weren't any sounds. You could only hear our voices. But I can hear a hum of a machine somewhere in the house. I can hear us breathing. So just let yourself tune into to the different sounds, the sounds that are close to you and the sounds that are far away. Good. Now the next step is with your eyes closed, I'd like you to see the room that you're sitting in right now. And notice that you can do that. So isn't this incredible, this superpower that we have to place ourselves anywhere in the cosmos? Instantly. So you're here, you're visualizing the room that you're in. And you're still hearing the sounds. And already I think some of you are taking a big sigh. You're starting to drop into your body more. Now the next step is to feel your body breathing. So you don't need to change your breathing, but I'd just like you to notice that you can feel sensations when your body breathes. There's the stretching and expansion of the inhale, and a feel of sinking in and letting go on the exhale. And on this one, I'm going to dare you to feel the f- sensations of breathing a little bit more because after you've done this practice, let would say 21 times, just this breathing part alone will be a, a very heightening sexual experience. We are meant to be sexually heightened all the time. That's our starting point as human beings. Now let your face relax a little bit while you feel yourself breathing. You want your lips always to be ready for a kiss because one of the ways we put a cork on our potential is by tightening the jaw. Good job. You might even start to notice a little bit of a, a, um, kind of a, a, a vibrating happening in your body and in your spine right now. Now the last piece, just one more piece, wherever your body is heavy, Let it get heavier. So now you're doing all four. You're hearing the sounds near and far. With your eyes closed, you're seeing the room that you're sitting in. You're feeling your body breathing. and you're letting your body get heavier. And from here, let's take a few breaths into our whole body as if it were hollow inside and we could breathe not only into our lungs but into our shoulders, our arms, our legs. They're all big, huge, expansive spaces. Our heads, big, expansive space. Air can go everywhere. And now I can't resist. I'm going to throw a little Taoist practice on top. So go ahead and smile with your eyes closed and notice what happens. It's pretty amazing.
0: So amazing. I'm totally adopting that from you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was so, so lovely. Thank you. What do you feel? Well, when I open my eyes, you are sparkling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The whole wall is sparkling. Yeah, and I just feel very, very relaxed, soft inside. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just everything is, is melting, you know?
1: Yeah. And can you imagine like that took less than two minutes? You could do it when you wake up before you open your eyes and what would happen if you did that? And that's how you saw your husband first thing in the morning.
0: Right. Right. Instead of the, the, uh, the monitor, the baby monitor. (laughs) (laughs) babe can you go grab her (laughs) yeah no it's true it's true you know I think it all goes back to what you're saying about that um it's like things from the external world are kind of dumbing down what is natural right it's like the sense of exhaustion that you feel at the end of the day or even first thing in the morning it's not our natural state right we're supposed to be rested we're supposed to wake up with energy you know and I think, um, you know, just, I'm, I'm obsessed with coffee, so don't get me wrong, but the caffeine, the, all the things that we sort of mess with um, probably interfere a little bit with that natural sort of, you know, just um, energy, real energy mm-hmm. that we're supposed to have throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about that? Like, how do, how do we maximize our energy? How do we wake up feeling? Even to have the thought to do that first, you know, it takes energy and takes being in the right headspace, the right mindset.
1: I think there's a lot of ways to look at how we've wired ourselves. In, uh, we both live in Santa Monica, I love it. There's so much happening and there's so much opportunity all the time. Um, and that can be really take all of our attention. So we're constantly feeding the part of our brain that feels like I need to get up. I need to do something. There's more to do. There's always more. And it's this always carrot on the end of the stick, like always looking at the horizon. Mm -hmm. And our natural state is to be relaxed in union, a part of life, to feel nourished, Just by being alive. Mm -hmm. And so, if we can take these moments first thing in the morning and orient ourselves in our senses, we're orienting ourselves in the body and in our natural relationship with the world. This in itself is nourishing. A lot of our insomnia, a lot of our tiredness is mental. Mm It's not real. It's something that we're putting on top of ourselves. It's these expectations, like there's always more, bigger and better. Keep it going, right? And you know what it's like. You go on vacation, you unhook off the grid for a couple of weeks, and you realize, I have so much energy. You know, after the first exhaustion, releasing that mental exhaustion. So we want to exercise these parts of the brain that are um, connected to the senses. I call it bottom-up processing. It's it's also a part of psychology, that we're processing life from our body as opposed to experiencing life from our mind. Mm -hmm. When we experience life from our mind, it tends to be quite dehydrating and exhausting and also kind of isolating and lonely. Mm -hmm. When we experience life from the body, and we know this from doing yoga or exercise or making love, then we have a tendency to really focus on and remember what's important.
0: Totally. It's like this thing that takes you out of your body and makes you connected with everything around, like the infinite.
1: Absolutely. And it brings out the best parts of the brain. So then the brain is our instrument rather than being, uh, you know, our master telling us right. what we need to do all the time. Yeah, we,
0: mind expanding.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I started to talk to you a little bit earlier about synchronicities and, you know, that can sometimes sound very new age and woo-woo, but it's, it's a fact, you know, a science, uh, you know, it's a scientific fact that when we're living from that place of being really integrated, whether it's in the workplace or in our relationships, things seem to happen almost as if by magic, they right. start to sync up. But this is how we're meant to live. This is actually how the human body is designed. We're not accessing those parts of our body because we're not moving from the bottom up enough. Now, top down is also important from the brain to the body. That's what makes it possible for us to make plans and do things like that in the world. But we want to make sure the energy is flowing in both directions. And a lot of the neo-tantra work is based in bioenergetics. And I love bioenergetics, the work of Alexander Lowen. And the, the bioenergetics model is saying, how can we unleash our full um bioenergy and really let ourselves be lived by our energy as opposed by our conformity mm. and alexander lowen said we can only be as spiritual as we are sexual i love that
0: because it's that same it's that same allowing yourself to really like let go right mm-hmm. and to not restrict or contain mm-hmm. what you are
1: yeah It's about taking some chances, Yeah, you know, like taking some chances to not do it correctly Mm -hmm. sometimes, to be creative and be creative. Again, I don't want people to feel pressured, like you need to go out and create a painting or some new business or something. It's more about like, you know, when you're putting together uh, the lunch for your daughter, maybe sometimes you put a flower on her. (laughs) you know, an edible flower because she'll probably eat it, (laughs) but an edible flower. So you're bringing some part of yourself and some part of Mm -hmm. the, you know, beauty of your spirit into the experience rather than just it being so straightforward and kind of pared down. I
0: love that. Like everything can be an expression of Mm -hmm. that magic Mm -hmm. and it can be so simple. And sometimes the most simple things are the most profound They are and the most, uh, well-received too. Sometimes if you, think, oh, I'm going to do this grand thing. And, you know, and you have these expectations, you know, that it's going to be this or that. It actually doesn't <laughs> amount to anything, but just the simplest little thought, thoughtfulness can really make an impact.
1: Absolutely. I used to, I have nieces and nephews. And when they were small, I started teaching them neyatantra Tantra from the time they were babies. And I used to give them fairy baths. And all I did was put fairy wings on and gave them a bath. <laughs> but to this day, they still talk about it. How simple was that? You right. know, of course we took them to Disneyland. We did all these other like huge things, you know, uh-huh. with them. But they remember like those moments because those moments were stress-free and they were connected. And this is what we're looking for. Again, right. we want to be seen. We want to be heard, understood, and desired. And it's those simple moments where there's no there's no noise. I'm not saying you can't do Disneyland that way too,
0: but that's <laughs> more like that's like <laughs> level 10, you know. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. And it doesn't cost anything. You know, it's like those Mm -hmm. things that are accessible to everyone and that we all have, we could imagine fairy wings on our backs too. Mm -hmm. Like that's accessible as well.
1: Absolutely. And Mm. sometimes asking our children questions as opposed to telling them something. Mm -hmm. Same thing with my lover. Let's say that I'm having a challenge connecting with my lover or something's, you know, something's happening for the two of us rather than tell my lover what I want or what my expectation is maybe ask some questions, you know, like really open the space for a person mm-hmm. to feel seen and heard mm-hmm. and then kind of look for where we can meet.
0: Yeah. So do you work with couples mm-hmm. primarily? I work both
1: with singles and couples. My classes are usually a mixture, half and half couples mm-hmm. and singles. And my private sessions are also about half couples mm-hmm. and singles.
0: So when you have a couple with you, what does that look like? And, mm-hmm. and kind of take us through that process of what you do with
1: with them together? Oh, I do so many things. There's so many ways to work with me as a couple. I'm actually putting together a private retreat, a two day private retreat for a couple in India while I'm there. Wow. Yeah. So they're going to be there. They're coming to India. I'm going to do two days for them. And, um, They've already done some work with me, so I get to, you know, I really understand like sort of where their edges are, Mm -hmm. you know, and feeling more pleasure, um, allowing themselves to experiment more in the bedroom, to bring the novelty that they're longing for in their relationship. So initially when I'm working with couples is first I interview them and find out where they are sexually, what is their dream, what do they love most about sex, how do they feel sex could be even better, and what's their responsibility in that. So how can they be an even better lover with their partner? Then I'm going to teach them these practices. We start with the practice I just gave you from my guru. And then we get more into more specific practices. We tend to hold, as I said earlier, a lot of tension in the pelvic floor. So I work with them in lots of different ways to bring more circulation into the pelvic floor so that we have more um, sensitivity in our genitals. We also have more engorgement for our erections, both as women and men. Mm. Educate the couples about whether they're uh, homosexual, heterosexual, educate them about the anatomy. How does engorgement work? And I always say engorgement is filling our genitals with our heart. Wow. Ultimately. That's
0: a beautiful way of putting
1: it. <laughs> so we want to take time mm. to do that. And well, what yeah, we're yeah, it's doing, like blood flow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're bringing more and more of our heart. Life force, blood flow, yeah. And our vulnerability and also our strength and our warrior quality, uh-huh. our fierceness. It's all coming into our genitals as we give ourselves away. So I teach couples specific massage techniques to both um, tonify, to bring tone, into the atrophied muscles of the pelvic floor and then to release that hypertonicity, that over, you know, over tight muscles because erection mm-hmm. is this two way thing. We have to be relaxed. Smooth muscles have to re- relax in order for the blood to flow into the genitals for women and men. Mm-hmm. And then we need tone to maintain the erection mm-hmm. and also to, um, Just to have, also, we want to have this like um, softness in the tone, tonal quality of our erections. Um, You, you know, or many of us experience what it's like when an erection is very, very hard. And then there's like not so much of a connection. What we're looking for is a sponginess. Like receptivity. Yeah. And then there's a perfect fit every time. Because what we want to do is we want to feel each other with our whole being. And from the Neotonic perspective, our whole being is our whole genital complex, Hmm. right? Like how I am aware, and I'd say people are feeling maybe 5% of what they're capable of feeling in their genitals, because there's so much shame and fear. We can talk all day about how we want to feel it, but then people are tuning out using pornography or tuning Mm -hmm. out using um, toys. And I'm not saying that using those things to... uh, Enhance sexual experience is a good thing. I feel it's good to use those things to enhance, but when we're using it as a way to separate ourselves from this vulnerability of being seen as this deeply sensual, sexual, almost animal mm-hmm. being, um, we've been taught that that's bad. We're right. taught that that's like something like that we're supposed to evolve beyond, but it's actually our roots to a very finely tuned experience of sexual sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So as people, I teach people these massage techniques, these practices, usually the first few sessions are a lot of communication. We need to really get clear on how to respect each other though, before we even touch each other's bodies Um, so there's a lot of communication beforehand. A lot of couples will come to me when they're having trouble. Mm -hmm. This couple that's meeting me in India is having great sex. Their relationship is amazing. So they're starting from a good place and we're going further.
0: And they just wanted to like take it to the next level.
1: Well, they're, they're pretty amazing entrepreneurs who are creating on a huge, huge level in the world and they recognize how their sexual energy can fuel and is fueling that and they want more
0: really cool and
1: so my job is to come in and say did you notice how in this part of your body you're holding some tension did you notice how your breathing is here you notice how you use this one word when you said that and it's all really fun like -hmm. it's kind of like we're like we're putting together this puzzle right and it's pretty amazing just to see this person become the human being they are it's not a cookie cutter it's not about becoming something else it's not about changing yourself
0: of course it's stepping into your truth but it's so true because it's like When you feel the most desired and desirable, that's when you are your best in the world, hands down. When you don't feel good about yourself or you you feel shameful, like you're saying, you're not gonna go do big things in the world. You're not gonna go take risks. You're gonna feel, oh, you know, I I wanna hide a little bit or, you know, don't feel confident enough to do that. But having that feeling of like, I'm desirable, I'm desired, having that fuel within you. Like you're unstoppable, right? You can do anything.
1: Absolutely. And what you just described is from the neotantric perspective, how the whole universe is formed. Hmm. From the neotantric perspective, this whole universe um, is born from desire. So it's that Tell me more about
0: that. That's really interesting.
1: So we sort of look at it like um, there is everything that exists before it exists. And that we have as Shiva. We often call that the masculine principle, doesn't mean man, it means masculine. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the, um, you know, everything that could ever be, but it's not yet materialized, Mm. right? And then there's the material world, what we experience, what we've brought into form, um, so far. And so it's the desire, um, between these two, like, let's say it's Shiva's desire to manifest himself and so this intense desire or we could say shakti is the feminine her intense desire for her beloved her intense love for him means that she's embodying she's becoming him more and more so as we desire something our desire is always taking us into a direction of something that's not quite yet happened but we know it could mm. and so if we just allow ourselves to be in that state that very desire itself will start to pull from the unseen, you know, the right. unmanifest into the right. manifest. It will start to take form.
0: It yeah, will start and to and be. not running away from the desire either because yeah. sometimes... I work with clients too. And I think that a lot of times this desire comes and it brings a bad feeling because they don't have it. They feel lack. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I want this, but I don't have it. So now I feel bad about myself and I'm going to go distract myself and pretend I never had that thought. But the desire is the real magic. It's the information to then create it.
1: Absolutely. I think there's even, is it Thoreau or someone who says, if you desire it, then become it. Like if you desire something, it's meant for you. And mm-hmm. um, if we can learn ways of staying like in our desire as lovers. And how do we do that? Because it's not about my lover doing something to be desired by me. It's by me cultivating constantly my freshness of seeing him for the first time every time, being excited about who he is. And a lot of that comes from my own inner vitality, which is access through the sexual energy.
0: And being present, being able to be completely present.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, being absolutely present to it. and also, you know, like when I was first, I mean, I found Tantra completely by accident. I I was going to ask
0: you how you got into it. I
1: had no idea it existed. I just loved sex. I had this curiosity about sex, like from a young age was Uh kind of interesting. And I would read all these books, you know, about sex and sex manuals.
0: And then when I started, why wouldn't everyone be so obsessed (laughs) with it? Right. Like like it's the coolest thing in the world that it feels so good. Why not? I know (laughs) it's such a beautiful thing.
1: (laughs) So I had this huge curiosity. And then when I started having sex when I was in my late tw- teens, I realized that what I was experiencing in sex wasn't as good as what I was experiencing making out. There's this like uh, mismatch, uh-huh. but, and I'm a, a big, uh, like I, you can't stop me. So I was like, I am going to figure this out because I know <laughs> there's something more to sex. And as I really gave myself to this exploration and then met an older man who I really fell in love with. And I think that was the key. Like I fell in love. I felt loved. I felt seen. I felt accepted. There was nothing I could do that would throw this guy off. You know, he was like, yeah, I understand. Mm -hmm. Like you're emotional today. I I get it, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, And I started to orgasm like easily in sex. Like it just all clicked together. Mm -hmm. And from that place, sex started to be like not just what was happening in the bedroom, but my whole life started to sync up like you just said, I was feeling desired in the bedroom. And then I felt that desire, you know, I felt that sort of freshness and that kind of like I'm available and I've got something that's of value. Mm -hmm. And that was carrying over into my career, my relationship with my family and everything started to just go next level, next level, next level. So, um, I didn't have a word for that, but I knew that in sex, something, profound was happening. And there was a day, a beautiful morning like this, I was making love with my lover and everything suddenly was just suspended and backlit and just amazing. And I felt myself accessing all parts of myself and not feeling I was shutting myself down at all. And I said, whatever this is, it's the whole reason I'm on the planet. And it's the only thing I want to do for the rest of my life. So cool. I didn't even know it was Tantra, but a few weeks later in the LA Weekly, I found a small business card size ad that said, the art of sexual magic. If it would have said Tantra, <laughs> I would have turned the page, but sex and magic, I knew what it was. I went to that workshop and uh, wow. the rest is history, 26 wow. years.
0: That is so cool. I mean, it's the coolest profession ever, Isn't right? is I think helping so. people to unlock this amazingness within themselves is so special. Mm-hmm. It's, and also there's yeah. just so many people who, I mean, I'm surprised. I remember even <clears throat> the people who you would think are, you know, the most, even the most sexual, You you would perceive them to be the most sexual people like couldn't have an orgasm, mm-hmm. you know? And it blew my mind when I'd hear my friends who I'd be like, she seems so, you know, if anything, promiscuous, all these things like, and she's not even having orgasm. She's not even tuned in or like enjoying it, you know? And I'm sure there's so many people who are blocked off in that way. Mm-hmm. Do you see a lot of people? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think sometimes one of the ways that we distance ourselves from our sexual um, pleasure is by becoming oversexed, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's like, sex is kind of right here in the middle, in the present. Right, we can shut it down, or we can over amp it, mm-hmm. and either way, we're leaving it. We're not sexual when we're over. Like um, I, you know, like sometimes I would be in the tantra trainings, and there'd be women screaming <laughs> and moaning from the first touch, and I'm like, that doesn't feel like it's really authentic, right? right? <laughs> and it was like they had gone into this performance place because they were feeling so. Um, you know, like on a deep level, kind of afraid Mm -hmm. of the vulnerability that real pleasure uncovers. And so I think people who seem very sexual sometimes are sort of people maybe who've been damaged for being very sexually alive younger. And so they've covered it up with um, a certain, you know, mask Mm -hmm. and they're hungry, they're longing, Um, but they're sometimes also very defended. You know, defended against that vulnerability because they've been shamed Mm. and hurt. So it's about reconstructing trust. And this is something I do with a lot of singles and couples. How do we reconstruct trust and realize that trust is our job? You know, I create trust for myself by really knowing what I need and learning how to communicate it and how to navigate communication, because even if my partner, my partner's not, you know, necessarily 18 months old, but sometimes it seems like it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm communicating, we're yelling at each other or something. And I can realize that, all right, right now, this way that I'm approaching this communication isn't working. Mm -hmm. So how can I give it some more space and honor my partner's frustration, honor my frustration. We don't have to fix it right now. We can just realize that, you know, we'll have more conversations and there are many parts of our relationship, not just this one conversation. Mm -hmm. And we can let ourselves, you know, feel the fullness of the support of the relationship that we build together. Um, And so it's like, um, it's a very, I feel like it's really empowering in every way, you know, learning how to be a masterful lover is something I want for every person.
0: Absolutely. And so is there like, do, do you go into sort of the anatomy of a masterful mm-hmm. lover, sort of like mm-hmm. position, this and that? Do you go that far into it?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, initially I want to teach people the anatomy of their body and to learn like, where are the pleasurable places they may not have considered because our whole body is an erogenous zone, but we sort of like kept it all below right. the belt. Right. So true. And we so forget about it. Right. You know, and we forget how yeah. like warm breath on your neck feels so Absolutely. exciting. Yeah, if you take
0: yourself back to like the teenage years when someone like touches your knee and it's like. You know? Do you remember that you're like yeah.
1: sitting next to somebody in the movie yeah. theater? and You're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh god, here comes his hand. Ah! In that moment, it's like orgasm. I know, and
0: we get so desensitized to these things now. And we, mm. you're so right. We just, you know, we label this as like, okay, that's sexual. But you know, everything has the opportunity uh-huh. to be that.
1: Right. So we're wanting to make it more of a global experience. So in the beginning, we take the focus. We include the genitals, but we don't stay just limited to the genitals. We learn how to have the sexual vocabulary that includes the whole body. We do pleasure mapping, you know, finding out like, what do you like and where do you like it? What kind of touch do you like? We also learn how to be resilient. Like my partner might say, you know, I like it when you touch me this way. This way that you're touching me is actually sort of abrasive. It's not feeling good. And I think what happens is we have so much pressure on ourselves to be a perfect lover. We can get so upset that now my partner, now, now I'm pouting right mm-hmm. now. I'm like, Oh, you don't like me. You don't love me. And now I'm pouting. Like what? a Like buzzkill. Like, that's like the worst thing. So we learn how to be playful and how to have fun. Like, how does this feel? What about this? Let me try this. And a lot of people are resistant to that. They're like, I don't want to talk about sex. We should just do it naturally. But the thing is, we live in a world where we've shut it down. Mm. So naturally isn't going to work anymore. We need to, it's like, oh, I want to be naturally, uh, have good posture it's probably not going to happen. You know, so I do Pilates, I do Pilates right. and I've cultivated posture that I can now right. maintain.
0: Unless you just happen to be a couple that does all those things intuitively, naturally, and naturally intuitively. communicates and talks and plays around and
1: yeah, really takes time for the relationship. So I teach people how to carve out time, Mm -hmm. You know, how to make sex and love a priority rather than what you leave at the end of the day.
0: Right. No, daytime sex is so much better. So much better. (laughs) You have so much more energy.
1: And there's more hormones in the morning.
0: Oh, that's so true. Right. And that's the thing about becoming a parent is you really like nap time is, is very sacred. (laughs) So you just hope that it all lines up, you Mm -hmm. know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask you, what's it like? Like I have so many young mothers and they're like, how do we reconnect sexually?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, you, you were asking me a little bit about even as early as like six weeks. And I will say that, you know, my body was not my own at that point. Like right when you have a baby, your body needs to heal. You know, it's like, this healing process. And I think that especially I had a C-section, so I needed a little bit more time. And I was told by the doctor, you have, you have to, I think we weren't allowed to have sex for two months, which is a long time, but you also have this new baby and you have a lot going on. So it's manageable. But, um, but no, by the end of that two months, we were like, I, every doctor's appointment that I went to, I was like, are you sure we have to wait? <laughs> are you sure you have to wait? She's like, uh, no one ever asked that. People are usually like, tell, tell my husband, I need to wait longer. Tell my husband, you know, because people are afraid to have sex again after having a baby. I think it's, especially a vaginal birth can be very, uh, I mean, both have their, have their pros and cons, but it can be very traumatic and scary to have something coming in, you know, such a tender area at that time. But, um, that's a big plus to having a C-section, I will say, is that everything is great and the same. And, honestly, I think everything has just gotten better. Truthfully, everything has just gotten better. Just that the time issue is way harder. You have to be way more intentional before you had all day, you know, you had all, it was all for that. It was all for you. And and now you have this thing that's bigger than that, you know, around that you have to really make it a priority. Mm, And how do you guys do that? How do we do that? Well, we, we love having sex (laughs) so I think that if you make it if you love something you make it a priority Mm. it doesn't feel like work to do it you know Mm -hmm. and I think that even when you don't feel like it you remember yeah you remember how it makes you feel and you remember Mm. that it's going to give you energy rather than deplete your energy Mm. I think a lot of the time it's like oh I'm too tired Uh, like I don't want to go through you know the hassle of it but it always makes you feel better it's like working out right it's like oh i don't feel like going to the gym i don't feel like going to yoga but have you ever left and felt worse no it's the same thing
1: and it's kind of like our sexuality works in a feedback loop. So the more positive experience we have, the more we want it. And then the Absolutely. more we want it, the more positive experience we have.
0: It's like, it's same as working out too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, if you fall off the wagon, you don't view it as something in reach. It's, it feels a little out of reach. Right. Mm-hmm. But then the second you get back into you're like, how did I let myself not do this? This feels so amazing. I feel my best. And so I think just, you know, having that in your mind and yeah. and and. I think it takes both people really, you know, focusing on each other Mm -hmm. and noticing each other, like you said, and seeing each other and putting each other first. And I mean, my husband and I just went away by ourselves without our daughter, and that was amazing. Mm. It was our first trip away without her. And that gave us the the luxury and the freedom of what we used to have, of having all day to do whatever. And we were, you know, just so grateful for the opportunity to to have that, you Mm. know? And, and realizing that you need to do things like that, you know, you need to go away. Maybe, yeah, you
1: know? like remember your relationship because ultimately she's going to benefit from that. too. Oh so yeah, and
0: she didn't even, we thought she'd be so sad. But she <laughs> she was absolutely fine, you know. So, Good job. Yeah.
1: And do you guys still flirt with each other? Like how oh, do you yeah. kind of communicate to yeah, keep the yeah. magnetism? I
0: mean... I feel like we're, we're both very, very lucky in that we both prioritize love. Like we're both lovers at heart. Um, and you know, I don't want to embarrass him, but he's the sweetest, most romantic man on earth truly. So just, you know, it's not difficult. It's not something I even have to think about. It's something that comes so easily and so naturally in our relationship. But I think that, yeah, we, we have this spark between us that we nurture, you know, mm. we really do nurture it and we always want it to be there. That's part of the motivation for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Truly like that. It comes from this, like we, how do we preserve this? Cause it comes very easily now, but who's, who's to say 20 years from now, we're going to still have this ease in which we, you know, just can't get enough of each other. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you want to make that something that it has longevity to it.
1: Right, right. And I think you're like you're giving some really great tips for a lot of people. It's like making the, um, like making it a priority, making it a time, making the time mm-hmm. and, um, feeling the spark. Mm-hmm. So with couples, when they come to see me, that's another thing I do. We really look at, you know, what is it that you love about this mm-hmm. person? Mm-hmm. You obviously love something about yeah. them, yeah. but when people are not feeling close or they're not feeling sexual, they've forgotten that they're just focused on the problems yeah. Right. And again, if we do that, the brain is going to default to problems. Yeah. But if we default to what is positive, then we have more energy and a willingness to work on things that are just going to make us stronger. The problems Absolutely. Quote, that we have in the relationship. So with couples, I'll teach them their anatomy. I teach them how to communicate. Um, I teach them how to feel sexually turned on at will. Like Mm -hmm. how to do that. It's not something that happens like overnight, Mm -hmm. but if they practice for a bit, people are blown away. I've had couples come to see me who've been married 30 years, haven't had sex in 10 years and started having the best sex of their entire life.
0: That's incredible. After doing
1: these practices, because it's just shifting our priority and letting ourselves go ahead and make sex and make enjoyment, um, the center, you know, a a center of focus and realizing that we then have more time for, sure. for work, more time for all the other things that we want to do, not less. We have more vitality. I we know, get to People stuff look done at faster. it as something
0: that takes so much energy away from them, but it's really putting so much energy into you and infusing it into your relationship, which then like bleeds into your children's lives, into your work, into everything.
1: And it gives you a real feeling of being a team. Yeah. You know, that you're not alone. You have this person, you've shared this you know beautiful intimate moment and I, and I want to also say that sex can be anything it can be a really beautiful hug mm-hmm. that is just deeply deeply mm-hmm. connecting mm-hmm. and it can be what i call headboard banging wild sex right. you know sensuality it's, it's not having pressure like uh-huh. it has to be a certain way um right. it's whatever is fulfilling for you bringing in you know small sexual moments throughout the day and letting yourself really get fed sexually um, by your partner and sort of also enjoy letting the tension build a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you really want to make love, but you don't one day. Mm -hmm. And then the next day you're just kind of
0: crazy
1: for each other and you can enjoy like being, um, almost like dating again. Yeah,
0: no, it's true. It's true. And I'm, I'm wondering like, you know, at different stages of life, you know, as we get older and I'm like I'm very into the idea of just reinventing yourself with your partner as you get older sexually and not letting everything get stale you know so how do you encourage people to do that because you know I mean it's working until it's not working and then you need you can't you know you can't let that stop you right you have Mm -hmm. to figure it all out and make it and I love what you said that this couple came back together and made it even better than it ever was. Yeah. Which I'll say, I I honestly feel like that is what happened after we had a baby. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it was always amazing, but then I feel like it created this new level, like a Mm. very, uh, I think even just physically within me, I think I got very lucky that it unlocked something tantrically or something within myself.
1: Yeah. It was like the intense moments of having the C, of being pregnant, of having the C-section, of meeting your daughter and just all of that you know, you probably released some old thing that was maybe, maybe, you know, opened a door. It opened a pathway. To more of you. Yeah, it really yeah. did. And this is what happens. You know, we also, I think, need to realize that sex is meant to change throughout our lives. And most of the world is focused on a 25-year-old template, you know, for everything, for appearance, for sex, for everything, we're supposed to all stay 25. And that really limits us because sex gets better and better as we get older.
0: I've, I love hearing oh, that.
1: Oh, Yeah. I'm 57 now. I'm having the best orgasms of my life. What? Absolutely. Oh my God. The most God. incredible orgasms. And I have friends in their 70s, they say it just gets better.
0: What? And it's like the. Wait, so, what is your. <laughs> <clears throat> I want to ask you about that because I know that a lot of women, you know, postmenopausal women mm-hmm. really struggle even with just lubrication, with yeah. just just even they want to have sex, maybe there's desire, but just physically they can't make it happen or they Mm -hmm. doesn't feel good anymore. So what can people do to have what you're having? Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's, it's, it's similar again to what you were describing. Like it's putting in, um, the willingness, putting in the time and the willingness. Because as we get older, there are more factors in our lives. We have children, we have careers, we have physical differences because of hormonal changes after birth or post-menopause or for men when their erections start to become a little softer, you know, and we all like, we think terror, like, no, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to have menopause. I don't want my erection to get softer. And we're just trying to Actually, our our culture has taught us to repel some of the most beautiful parts of being human, because as our partner's erection gets a little softer, there's this other quality of lovemaking that starts to come in. He's both, you know, testosterone driven, but also a little bit like vulnerable himself, which is really, really beautiful. And then um, his His erection is actually, you know, a softer erection will actually stimulate the opening of the um, vagina in a more erotic way. Hmm. Yeah, we're actually meant to have this very kind of soft, almost um, melty, especially in the beginning stages of making love. That's something that we could do any age, but we become more aware of it as we get older. And this sets off the orgasmic uh, reflex in a woman even more easily as she gets older. Mm. Women, as we get older, or we just had a baby, we have a depletion of estrogen. So thinning of the tissues, less circulation. And so we can feel like, ah, that's like, you know, we feel like things are not as plump as they used to be or not as lubricated. So that just means we need more foreplay. We need to learn how more parts of our body turn on the lubrication, um, We sh- we learned how to give ourselves self massage. I have some wonderful creams and balms and stem cell serums and CBD cool. oils and things that I use. Wow! That I mean, it's like orgasms where you think, "Am I going to die <laughs> from the intensity of this orgasm?" You become so sensitized. And when we're younger, wow. it's more focused on procreation. As we get older, the procreation piece is it's you know just waning. Pleasure. And it's just pleasure. And, um, what am I capable of? And, um, and so it's a lot of like learning how to massage, how to take our time, how to let sex grow. And then the orgasm, because it's taken more time. We all know what it's like. Like when you let it build, it's a lot stronger when it does happen. And so sex becomes something that's a leisurely process. And if we practice that enough, we can still have a quickie, but we've done the uh, maintenance, Mm. you know, we've kept up with keeping the tissues really revitalized.
0: So are you anti-quickie?
1: Oh, no. (laughs) I think quickies are great. I think, I think quickies are really fun and really romantic. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying it's like, if I want to lift a lot of weight. That means I do a little bit of weight every day. Uh So I keep my practice going. So then when I want to really power something up, Uh I have the capacity to do it. So same thing. We're keeping, we, we make sure that we're taking time, like your weekend away with your husband to really nourish our sexual connection. That way that nourishment will come into a quickie.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) And so a quickie feels
1: satisfying. It's not like wham, bam, Right, right. It's like all of our love in these two seconds. I mean, how are ma- two minutes, you know, like how amazing is that?
0: Yeah, you're right. It does take though that like deep, con- being deeply connected, having the opportunity to do that so that it feeds all of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and the- the depth of it, the, the very, the variety.
1: Right. And it's also maintaining the relationship in other ways, like being current about, um, communication. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we need to communicate about every single thing, but it's just feeling that we're seen, we're heard, we're understood, we're desired. If we feel that all the time, then yeah, you don't take out the garbage. I'm not going to get all freaked about it. I'll take the garbage out. (laughs) But when I haven't taken care so that I feel seen, heard, you feel seen, heard, desired all the time, Mm -hmm. then the garbage is just a symptom. Yes. It's just a symptom of we've not been taking mm-hmm. care of our relationship and we've not been taking care of ourselves. We've let ourselves get into being um, like just really driving, driving, driving all the time, mm-hmm. not sinking into the body. And, uh,
0: yeah. And it's like, what's the point of this life if you're just operating from that place? Mm-hmm. It's like forgetting the, it's forgetting like how amazing life can be, mm-hmm. right?
1: Right. Yeah. Life is about what we can feel. Mm -hmm. And we're so much time spent into what we're worried about and what we're thinking. Um, But the profound moments are the moments of feeling and meaningfulness. Mm -hmm. And um, by being sexually alive, we have more surface area to experience meaning in our lives all the time. And we're not just going really tight to try. You know, a lot of people have orgasm by becoming very tight. And focused in on one very tight sensation and same thing in life, very tight about, Mm -hmm. let me just get this work done. Mm -hmm. What a horrible way to live.
0: Right. Just check it off the list. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like whether, whatever job you have, like, I hope it feels just like teaching Tantra. Like it should always feel ecstatic because you're letting yourself be completely immersed in whatever you're Mm -hmm. doing and you're having fun with it.
0: Yeah. And you can make that, even if it's a job you don't love, you can bring that quality to it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, one of the practices I'm doing, I'll let you in on my secret right now. is I have like all these sexual practices that I do. And right now I'm doing this one practice where before I do anything, I stop. And I get myself really, really in that anticipation and excitement for what I'm about to do. And so it sounds really, really simple, but it is amazing. Like before I go teach a class, I take a minute and I let myself feel how excited I am about what I'm going to teach and how much I'm looking forward to it and all the things I'm looking forward to. And then I do that about going to see my acupuncturist or, you know, and just doing that is training the brain to always be in that place of desire, which is bringing Shiva into form through Shakti. It's the cosmic love affair that gives rise to every single thing. And, um, it's an amazing way to live.
0: I love that. And it's not taking anything for granted. Mm -hmm. It's not just going through the motions. It's giving like, it's attributing that magic quality to everything that everything has the potential to be a miracle, an amazing, Mm. like mind blowing experience. Even if it is taking the trash out, you never know who you're going to see on the street. You never know. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, Life is really magic. Um, I teach a lot in, uh, in Ireland and, uh, there's this Irish poet who wrote, you know, the world is filled with magical things waiting for us to notice.
0: Yeah. I love that quote. And
1: it really is true. Whatever your definition of magic is, whether it's, you know, being successful in the stock market or um, finding a yoga pose or being a good mother or whatever it is, or being in optimal health, you know, when we allow ourselves to kind of open ourselves up and open our senses and open our body, anything is possible and you can live the life of your dreams. Um, Your life of your dreams is already here. So go ahead and realize it. Um, Many years ago, I met this uh, Tibetan Lama. He was teaching sex magic from a a sexual, it was a a, a tantric lineage um, in Tibetan Buddhism. And he walks into the room, this Lama, and he's like a child, you know, so in wonder Mm. uh, of everything. And he said, if you believe it, it will happen. It already happened. So just you believe it.
0: (laughs) It's true, right? It's just we... It's there in the continuum waiting for you to meet it, whatever it is. Like you said in the beginning, everything exists. It's just bringing it into form so that you can see it.
1: It's just desiring it, allowing yourself to stay connected to your desire, Um, stay connected and believe in it.
0: Thank you so much, Dawn. I've learned so much from you and I can't wait to come to your class and to learn more. Mm -hmm. And you are clearly a wealth of knowledge and of radiant energy. Mm -hmm and yeah keep spreading your light everywhere it was wonderful meeting you (laughs) and thanks for sharing about your life you've inspired me oh thank you thank you so much thanks for listening